Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. We're back for another edition of Chew On This. How are you, K-Dog, my co-host? Ah, Teresa Duncan, it is all good. I am looking forward to diving into yet another exciting edition with you today. I wanted to tell you that I added something new to my beauty routine, which is, and I'm really kidding because I didn't do this. <laughs> I have heard on TikTok that you should use your hair, you could use your hair to floss. What yes. do you think of that? Well, I, I think if you're having to save money from buying floss and that that's one of your biggest outputs, we've, we've got a lot to talk about in that respect. But, <laughs> you know, I, I have seen this, you know, of course, uh, my, my daughter is a TikToker. Uh, you know, I've heard about this. And it's just amazing to me to think that people think that putting that through your teeth is, is a good idea. I, I don't understand. Now, the lovely Julia, she has long hair. Has she considered it? Uh, no, she has not. No, she, okay. she is not. She knows her father would uh, rain down fire and brimstone on her should he should she choose to do that. So, so I, I told Norman about it. And, you know, my husband, for those of you who do not know him, is bald, very bald. And he says, he looks at me and he goes, why would you do that? And I said, I, I really don't know. And he goes, wouldn't that just be putting COVID all over, like, your hair? <laughs> like, if you have COVID. <laughs> so it was pretty funny to hear him, like, worry about COVID being spread just because of, you know, flossing the hair. And I have long hair, Kevin. I have never once thought. You have you have luscious, flowing hair. Let's I have the locks. Thank yes, you. Yes, you do. I call you Rapunzel <laughs> from time to time just for grins. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's funny because when I was uh, a mom, I had short hair because I thought moms had to have short hair, you know, kids pulling on it. And I realized the kids are going to pull on it anyway. So, like, I really jipped myself out of years of of flossing with my long hair. <laughs> you probably spent oodles <laughs> of money on floss that you didn't need to. I mean, now, you, oh, regrets, we have a few, yes. Uh, so, you know, if you're listening to this over lunch, just close your ears for the next part. But, like, what happens if you're using your hair and you pull out something? Like, what are you supposed to do with that? Yeah. What do you do with that? There's a, there's a lot of issues I have with TikTok and dentistry coming together to form this unholy alliance. I'm I'm not sure, you know, because we've got the hair flossing, we've got the make your own peroxide whitening, we've got, oh, oh, oh there, there's so many things that I've seen on TikTok, I'm just like, no, and then you look down at the little likes or the little hearts or whatever they have on TikTok, and that shows my ignorance there. There was a thing about sharpening your teeth? Oh, yeah. Or you, filing down your just teeth? Just use your nail file, just, and you're good. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go conspiracy theory here, and wow. I think... It's a secret cabal of dentists who are putting this out to keep the business going. What do you think? You know, I I think you stumbled across something. You you have entered the next level of the Denver International Airport conspiracy theory. <laughs> that's that's beautiful right there. I like that. For those of the people that don't understand that, can you explain the Denver Airport? Well, as you know, Teresa, I mean, first of all, duh. And second of all, it was built by the Illuminati. Oh, yes. Yeah, don't forget that. And and whenever the world comes to an end, there will be a secret bunker underneath the Denver International Airport where all the important people get to go. If you've ever seen the movie 2012, it's basically them going to the arcs, except it's under the Denver International Airport. I had no idea. Yeah, I mean that's that's wow. why we moved there. Oh, I shouldn't have said that out loud. 
<laughs> You're holding out on us. Okay. Yeah. So forget QAnon or any of that other stuff. <laughs> the real conspiracy theory is yes. dentist. That's also why we give out Halloween candy. Let's be honest. It is. It that is. Was probably started by a dentist. I'm there are a lot of dental practices that will suffer this year, not only because of COVID, but also no Halloween in so many places, you know. So, you know, our, our good friend, Dr. Paul Feuerstein, uh, you know, yes. he posted up something the other day on Facebook that it has officially been outlawed. Trick-or-treating has been outlawed in his town. So it really? is technically against the law to trick-or-treat in his hometown this year. Is this in Bahaba? It's not Bahaba. It's in Bileaka. It's a wicked pissa is what that is. Well, shout out to Dr. Feuerstein. I hope he's listening. And if yep. he's not, then, you know, we'll talk crap about him next time. So <laughs> I had a story for you. So let's just go ahead and keep in the, the vein of stories. You're not going to see published very many other places just because it's so vulgar. Are they salacious? I'm just curious. You know, it's salacious is one of my favorite words. Uh, I know. I do love salacious. This is actually kind of sad, though. And I'll I'll just preface it by that. Like, if imagine being... In this particular practice, I guess, for all of those who are still in, in the office, imagine this. So I stumbled upon the story of a dentist in L.A., and her name is uh, Dr. Rojas, and she is considering selling her practice because the homeless problem has become so, so big and, and scary. What she says here, let me just read you a direct co- quote here. It's just become a scary situation. They're defecating, urinating, but now it's just become violent. It's constant. They're always fighting. They have machetes. They have knives. They have hammers. And I'll share the story from the local paper that shows all that. It's hard enough to go to work and deal with traffic every day, right? But if your traffic is homeless people trying to hurt you, what does that do for your morning mood? Not a lot. I'm just going to throw it out. Not a lot. You know, in, in the thing that, that I've seen in, in my, my hometown of Denver, uh, since COVID hit, downtown's been really taken over almost by, by, the homeless. by the homeless. And I want to make sure that everybody understands there's, there's a lot behind being homeless. Sure. Absolutely. Not looking down on them in any way, shape, or form. No, no. We're focusing on the, the safety of the offices. Ab- absolutely. But whenever COVID hit and people stopped going to work, it it opened up a door and, and, you know, Coors Field is where the Colorado Rockies play. It's right in downtown Denver. And, and during the pandemic, I was still going to baseball games and reporting on them for the Rockies. I saw the camps grow almost every day as I went down there. Wow. And it, and it was something that before COVID that didn't happen because people were down there, people were active, people were working. All of a sudden downtown becomes a little bit of a ghost town. And so businesses like restaurants are having to wonder what this is doing to their traffic. Dental practices, absolutely. Oh, that's interesting. So the foot traffic is what kept, I guess, police presence because of being down there or security guards and all that. So that being gone kind of leaves it open. What I understand, uh, a friend of mine works uh, not in Denver, but in another big city in the police department. And what he told me is that whenever the outbreak happened, they were told to not get close to them, you know, the whole social distancing thing and everything else. So it really opened up a door for, you know, let's face it, some some unsanitary things and camps to set up. And a lot of people were afraid to even approach them or to do something about them because of the fear of the coronavirus. So 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting. And so the story out of LA, I mean, sadly, I would think there's a lot of people in urban spaces, you know, I know you had a fascinating podcast dealing with this on a whole different level, uh, the problem of being in a downtown area. Oh, Dr. Wells. Yeah. That was a, that was a very just eye opening podcast. I had so many questions to ask him. And if you go to nobody told me that, which is my podcast, Kevin has dental assisted nation latest episodes is me interviewing Brett Wells and his office went through um, some of two, two different riots in Raleigh. Another thing too, is that Dr. Roa said that she would see the security footage and there were people naked on the street and attacking each other. And it showed people breaking into the building and she's got a big staff. It looks like she's got, um, Oh, 10 assistants, hygienists and doctors. And she's trying to figure out, does she stay or does she sell? And my thought was, well, giving this story to the news is not going to help you sell. Like, right. <laughs> so that's a problem there. Do you, you know, just open a satellite office and kind of cut your losses and maybe sublet this one? I, I don't know. And I feel for her because she probably has poured everything into this as our baby. Yeah. Big staff. But I wanted to take it from the point of view of if you're in this situation and Dr. Wells and I talked about this, you know, how did you feel responsible for your team? And he had en ended up hiring security guards and he was considering, you know, with the election coming up, he may actually continue to he might have security guards around the election time just in case something else pops off. So with people outside with weapons, not just scary people walking around, but they've got weapons. How do you secure your team and make them feel comfortable? Or is it pretty much just like, well, I can't do anything? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, a lot of these team members who are coming in, you know, let's face it, their, their pay may not be the greatest. And I don't know how Dr. Rojas is at her practice, but in a lot of places, you know, your dental assistants may be the lowest paid of the bunch. Mm. And now if you're having to avoid machetes and, possible violence or you know uh, drug use you know a lot of a lot of things you're not only having to worry about protecting your your team members as they come in but what about your patients who are trying to navigate through all this as well they're already nervous about coming to the dentist to begin with and now they have to wander through this that would make me very hesitant what was running through my mind another aspect of this is what if your patient base dries up because of this you know what if they don't feel safe yeah. And you have no choice. So she's thinking, should I sell now, cut my losses? What if she doesn't sell, tries to hold on, patients stop coming, then it's worth even less. It, it's just, she really is caught between a rock and a hard place. And I feel for her. She is. And until, you know, traffic comes back into downtown, into urban corridors, and it's work traffic, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that'll likely be after a vaccine. So it's, it's going to be some time. That's the scary thing in my mind is can you hold on another six, seven months and get through all this with the hope that everybody comes back into their offices and downtown revitalizes? And, you know, and again, it's not just L.A., it's Denver, it's Tulsa, it's it's every city that there is. Uh, these these problems are going on there, right? So let's let's look at it from a practice management point of view. Um, I as an employer, it is on you to provide a safe work environment, whether it's safe from bullies or whether it's safe from um, physical issues. Like, for example, I always used to give my boss a hard time because when the time changed outside of my um, office, outside of our office, uh, the lights would not come on 
and it would be pitch dark because of the time change and whoever it is in the building, whatever his name was, just always forgot to switch it. So there would be a period of a couple of weeks where I would walk out at, you know, seven or something and it was pitch black. And I would say, look, if I'm out here by myself, like it's very easy. To, I mean, it was pitch black. And, and he would just be like, well, hold on, I'll walk you out. And he usually did that anyway, so, you know, for, for most of us. But if I had been attacked or something had happened, I would have had a very good lawsuit against the building, not him specifically, the building. So because it's on them to provide a safe area, right, and to have lighting. And then also for a, an office, if you know that there's the potential for harm and you take no steps to protect your employees, that leaves you open as well to any kind of litigation. So I'm going to assume that Dr. Rojas has a great staff and she wants to do the right thing. Let's take her out of the equation. If this is any other dentist in any other city, I would urge people who are listening, if you're not aware of this, look into it because you do you are responsible for the safety of your employees. Managers, you too. I mean, this is what we do, managers. We take care of our people. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's really important because that's something you don't think about that you would have to to do as part of your practice routine. But the world has changed a little bit. You know, COVID has changed a lot of things. And as you mentioned with the election, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And and we feel it, the patients feel it, the team members feel it, you know. And, and so I think that this is the time to really make sure that you're not only reassuring everybody that you're taking the best steps to protect them in every way, shape, and form, but that you know you're taking the steps to protect them as well. What do you think of, and we're not going to talk about morals or anything like that, but in California, concealed carry is lawful. Uh-huh. What do you do when you know that your employees are packing? I mean, just, I guess you'd have to make sure that that goes against the, that the manual addresses it, but then you can't also infringe on their rights. So like, what do you think of a, of a packing office? And, and I'll have to admit, I'm not the biggest expert on this. So, you could have something internally where they don't pack inside the building, much like churches or other places do as well. I, I will say, you know, them them walking outside, should they need it, that's one mm-hmm. thing. But I, I would think that whenever they come into that practice, that uh, becomes a no-pack zone. <laughs> I'll just throw it out there. Leave it in the lounge. Like, just, hey, nobody touch my, my heat. Like the, like the saloon, you know, just hang it on the, the hooks as you walk in, you know. Put your spurs on the ground and the hooks, you know, the gun on the hooks. Okay. It's interesting because I, we were talking in, uh, oh gosh, where was I? I was, ta- I was in Arizona. That's where I was. And I was talking to this group of dentists and managers. It was management only. And we were talking about the fact that we needed to protect our employees. And I brought up the aspect of domestic violence. If you're, if you have an employee that comes to you and says, I have been threatened. I have somebody who's, I have a boyfriend who's stalking me. If you don't let people know that there is danger and to look out and all that kind of stuff, it has been found in some court cases that you're liable because say the guy comes in and he's like got a gun or whatever. Nobody knew that that possibility was coming. That then becomes your liability because you didn't at least warn people. So I thought that was an interesting case. We had some good debate about it. But this guy in the front row, and he's, I mean, I you can tell he's hes going to have a gun. Like this guy is a, a gun carrying <laughs> guy. He's a good old boy. Like almost reminded me a lot of my dad. So he's in the front row and he goes, he goes, oh, that's, we're not worried about that in our office. And I was like, why? And he goes, everybody packs. Everybody. Everybody has a gun. 
It's like, okay. Like, wow. Yeah. Hey, listen, he's got a culture, right? He's got a culture right. and it's, it's spinning the culture. So I was, I was cracking up. <laughs> and culture is a big thing. I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. And, and there are a lot of practices that the culture includes not telling the whole story in a lot of things, that there's a lot that isn't on the table. And as you said a few minutes ago, I think it's really important today that if there's a chance of something happening in that practice from an outside force, I mean, there are things we can't Mm -hmm. control the practice, like a health emergency or whatever, but somebody coming into the practice that that everybody needs to be on the lookout for, that's absolutely something that needs to be shared. I'm guessing this is something also, like if you're a realtor and you go to sell a house, you have you have to disclose it's haunted or that a murder happened there, right? Like, shouldn't you kind of give them a heads up? Well, maybe. What if your office was haunted, Kevin, and nobody told you before you took the job? Uh, it depends on the hauntee. Maybe they just kind of thump around there once in a while. You go, there's Bertha, you know, and you just kind of shrug. You know, now <laughs> if they're throwing instruments at you, that's a whole different story. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. You know, there's levels of hauntings that I know you have seen many times in some uh, portrayals on the, the big screen. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's be honest here. From Casper to Freddy, there's a, there's a big difference here, okay? You've got a point there. You've got a, <laughs> you've got a ghost, but, you know, it just it just thumps around a little bit. You know, you'll start the autoclave and it'll stop it. Don't worry about that. Just restart <laughs> it. You're lying in the sand when it comes to uh, hauntings. It's great. <laughs> if I remember right, you and I have been in New Orleans together. And mm-hmm. I believe you and I have been to murials together where they set mm-hmm. the table for the ghost and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe you just kind of set aside their, their own little, little uh, instrument pack. You know, here, this is yours. I remember going into the bathroom there and uh, it was so cold. And I remember thinking, they do this on purpose because, you know, when ghosts come around, it, it, the air is supposed to get really cold. And I was like, this, these people, I'm trying to go to the bathroom in peace. And they're making me think that a ghost is coming at any minute. And remember it had those big paintings all over the world? Oh, those were the creepiest. Absolutely. Didn't you spend like time staring at the painting and waiting for people's heads to move and stuff? Absolutely. Because, because you know, you stare long enough, their <laughs> eyes start moving and you're like, oh, there it is. See? Meanwhile, it's your eyes crossing because you've been staring at <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. So those are my two um, hygienic and not so hygienic stories, Kevin. (laughs) What you got today? Well, you know, it it ties in a little bit, you know, and I'm going to take a little different twist on it. Let's say that you're, you're in a practice in, in a downtown area and maybe that assistant or that hygienist decides that she, he or she doesn't feel safe. So you've got to hire somebody. What do you do? You know, and, and one of, the, yeah, oh yeah, and, and isn't a former, you know, as a manager, you know that this is one of the fun jobs, right? It's the whole hiring thing. And, you know, one thing that has come out in recent days uh, from the ADA uh, and the Health Policy Institute has been how that we're not only operating at a lower pace from before the pandemic as a business, but we're also having fewer employees than we did before the pandemic as well. And there are a lot of practices out there, and I've talked to them from Phoenix to Minneapolis that will tell you that it's hard to find, and I'm going to use air quotes here, a good employee. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so one thing that the California Dental Association has done is that they've started a, a campaign to lure in dental assistants from outside the industry, bring them in, and then they can be either on-the-job trained or go through a small, uh, small class setting so that they can ramp up and be ready as assistants. But that's what we've come to as an industry is that it's no longer 
maybe you can steal your assistant from Dr. Jones down the street, but now you're having to look at restaurants or banks or other places and maybe say, hey, would you be interested in a career in dentistry? I'd love to see about, uh, I have an opening at the front desk or I have an opening as a clinical assistant. And, and so it's fascinating to me to see how that the dynamics in the practice have changed just since really, you know, over the last year, I would, I would say they've really ramped up where we're now not only having to worry about finding the right person for the job, but also finding the right person for the job and making sure that they have the knowledge of dentistry as well, maybe more than ever before. So as a hiring person, what does that, what does that do in your mind? I'm curious. I have a lot of thoughts about this. But Kevin, don't you feel a little validated because you and I were talking about this at least two years ago. Oh, absolutely. About the fact that we are having a real shortage of talent in the industry. Yeah, we've we've seen this coming. When they put out the HPI index, I was almost like, well, all right, you could have asked us that and Kevin and I would have told you. <laughs> and, and yet there are people who are just running around with their hair on fire going, oh my God, when did this happen? We're like, we saw the tidal wave coming, like you said, two, three years ago. Absolutely. And in fact, I'll tell you, ADOM has been helpful with this too, the American Association of Dental Office Management. They actually tapped into you to discuss hiring a good dental assistant and also Cindy Durley with Danby and Dale Foundation, Dental Assistant National Board and the Dale Foundation. They asked you, and I just kind of tagged on, but they asked you guys to put on information on how to hire a good dental assistant because the managers were like, where are they? How do we find them? Very interesting that it's finally coming, I guess, I guess to where the ADA has paid attention to it. So, but kudos to CDA. Yeah. Okay. So as far as interviewing goes, interviewing is the pits. When you're starting out, it's the pits because you don't know what you're doing. When you're doing it for a while, it's great because you're finding good people. And then the more you go on in management, it's the pits again because you just get discouraged because you've hired so many people and you've seen them leave so many times. In 20 years of management with multiple employee roles, I have probably hired hundreds of people. And then also as a, as a consultant helping out, you know, when I was doing that. So I've probably been in, in, I would, let's just say a hundred interviews. It sucks. It sucks because people lie. Well, first of all, they don't show up. Then people lie on the the app, you know, they they tell you something different or they have their uncle's girlfriend give you a referral and she's barely met you. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of stuff going on with that. But we need to put on our big girl panties, as they say, and we need to, you too, Kevin, and Uh, we need to... You can't see me from the waist down, so let's just stop that, okay? You're prepared for the day, (laughs) I know. (laughs) But we need need to get better at it. I'll I'll give you a a tip. I've heard this from multiple consultants, but Sandy Pardue, she has always been a proponent of the group interview. Bring people in, have them sit in a group and do a group interview. It doesn't waste your time, and you really can see them in a different element other than. So she does a really good job with that. I have a list of hiring questions that I'm happy to put in as a download and the show notes, and it's my my interview questions. So here's the thing. When you have to train somebody new, it's really, it's a dedication of your time as a manager, because not only are you teaching them your office, you're teaching them basic things like tooth numbers and things like that. Sure. But you really have to find good training for that. I know Danby has some really good courses on that terminology or sorry, Dale Foundation terminology and all of that. But any of the dental assisting courses that they have go over the basics. So I think it's important to make sure that you 
you're bringing somebody in from outside the industry, you got to pretty much count on them not being productive for about three months. That's my opinion. No, I, I agree with that. And, and the thing that, that uh, I've heard from a couple of dentists is that they found the right candidate. They got them in, they hired them. And all of a sudden they started going through the tooth numbers, you know, the things that, that it does take you a while to ramp up on. And they said their eyes just started swimming in the back of their head. And one of them said, it's too much for me. And she actually walked out. Mm-hmm. So you've got to figure out how to ramp them up. But at the same time, you, as you said, you've got to be patient that it's going to be some time until they are actually feeling comfortable in dentistry and that you can maybe throw them into the proverbial fire. Well, and, and we're right now feeling so strapped anyways. Like we want everybody to be productive already because we already feel like we're behind the a Sure. You know, everybody. So it's it's a tough thing. It's It's really tough. My two best hires actually came from outside of the dental industry. I hired Raina. You know Raina. She's my best friend. She came in as an assistant. She was a jeweler. Jean, who took my place at the office, was in uh, jewelry as well. Also had a little, I think she has some experience with cars too. So they were both from upstate New York. So I don't know if it's upstate New York or the fact that they were both coming from jewelry businesses and they don't know each other. They really had no issue with picking things up because they had to on the fly with with jewelry. It's a fast paced business. So they picked that up, but they also had no problem with giving like $10,000 treatment plans because they were selling routinely things that cost 25, 35, $40,000. It was awesome. So, yeah. So is that why you chose them or looked to them? And what, what was it from outside the industry that, that piqued your interest? I'm curious. When Jean came along, I saw that she was from upstate New York and had worked in jewelry. So she almost was like Raina. So that definitely. But Raina, when she, when she presented, my best people who I've interviewed had confidence when they came in. The smile came easily to their face. They were able to answer questions. Even if it wasn't the best answer, they were able to think and answer questions fairly quickly. You know, I don't mind if somebody's really being thoughtful with their answer, but if I have to pull an answer out of somebody, that's not the person for me. So I wanted somebody who was conversational because I thought if they're conversational with me in kind of a high pressure environment for them, they're conversational with me, they should be conversational with patients who it's always a high pressure environment. And it seems to work that way. But also I got really choosy when I was interviewing. I would get rid of the whole, let's go through your resume line by line to make sure that you're not lying. That's not interviewing. That's, oh, that's good. And and I think that it's important that we look at hiring differently today than we did a year ago as well. Because if you're asking the same interview questions, if you're doing the same line by line, like you said, you're going to get the same results. <laughs> and And it's a different world now. And a lot of folks... Uh, safety is important. Going back to what we talked about originally, safety is very important. Uh, knowing infection control is being taken care of is very important, as well as making sure that it's something that, you know, for lack of a better term, it's worth their time to actually invest themselves into. So pay, benefits, all that, I think that's more of the microscope now than it's ever been before. There's talk of a standard minimum wage do you think that would impact our industry as far as attracting more people? Well, yes and no. There, there's there's my hope that in most places that wouldn't even be an issue because people are being paid above that. However, I can tell you I've been in Jackson, Mississippi. I've been in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I've had dental assistants come up and tell me that they're they're hoping to get to what they're being what is being made at the Starbucks there locally. It it happens. I, I would say for the most part, no. But I also know there are a lot of practices that 
that have a very low pay scale that that would actually be a raise for the assistance. And and I know that, that that in a time whenever your business is so different than it was before the pandemic and, you know, income may be lower and everything else, that that's the last thing you want to think about. However, which is the lesser of two evils in your mind? Is it to make sure that your employees feel safe and valued or is it to go through the hiring process again? What's really hard too about our industry is that we don't have standardized roles like job descriptions. And then it's hard for like the census or the whoever is tracking that salary. Oh gosh, it's a government agency. I don't Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS. Okay. There's a receptionist and then there's a receptionist office manager. There's an office manager and then there's regional operations. There's, you have assistant, then you have hygiene assistant, then you have implant assistant. So I think it's so hard in our industry to come up with a standard scale for what this should be paid because even still the ADA salary survey is hygienist assistants, receptionist managers. That's it. Right. And I'm not saying we blow up all of the, you know, so if you're doing sterilization, then you just get pigeonholed into sterilization assistant. I realize that there's hybrid roles, but we're not going to be able to get standardized salaries or at least a base level of salary until we have something like that in place. Until then, it's always going to be minimum wage. Right. And and one thing to note about the Bureau of Labor Statistics is how they pull out what an assistant versus a hygienist versus office manager makes is that that's how you record your job on your tax returns. So that's how you identify yourself almost. And and you're right. There's a lot of times that a cross-trained assistant, what's she, what's she going to put on there? Maybe where she works 55% of the time versus 45. What we need to do is have an updated way to not only see the jobs that there are in the practice, but also the pay ranges for each of those jobs. Because if you're a cross-trained assistant versus a sterilization assistant, that's probably a, a gap range right there. Is Oh, a huge one. Yeah. Yeah, a huge one. And even um, hygienists and perio offices tend to get paid more than hygienists and general practices. So. I don't see how we change that, to be honest, because if the if it's tied to taxes, how are you going to get something like that unless you do a pretty big salary survey, I guess? Yeah, I, I think that's going to have to come from in, inside the dental uh, industry. And I'm not sure if who would tackle that because it's going to touch upon everybody. And if you're the ADA, the dental assistant's going to go, well, why should I, you know, <laughs> they're going to find some uh, conspiracy theory for wanting to know salaries. And that's where... You know, I'm just going to say that I think organized dentistry, ADA, ADHA, ADAA, uh, you know, and then I'm going to throw ADOM in there as well, because Mm -hmm. really that's as organized as it gets for the office manager. Uh, I do think that I I hope that in 2021, hope, hope, hope is that they will each take on a comprehensive salary survey that not only just asks assistants what they make, but asks sterilization versus cross-train versus those who have been in the industry five years versus 50. Yep that we really get into the nuances of what salaries mean so that we're all saying, okay, in Colorado, I know this person makes this on average, but even then what an assistant makes in Denver is going to be different than what she makes in Pueblo or Grand Junction. And that's okay because you can identify for that. Like you can isolate those statistics out, but let's talk about the dental associations or the different associations because I have heard, actually, I just know, that when you tried to do a salary survey for auxiliaries, dentists don't like it. No. They actually don't like it because no. they then will be held to paying a higher salary. And I'm not saying all dentists, but I know I saw the numbers. I saw the information. Enough dentists did not like it. 
So will the ADA, will they step up and do something like this when it's actually not a positive thing short term for their members to pay more, but long term, it actually could help the industry by retaining talent. We're not seen as this entry level industry. Do you know what I mean? You know, a friend told me one time that surveys tell you what you want them to tell you (laughs) and that you can pull data points out of certain things to make any point that you want. And if the ADA, and this is a hypothetical, but if the ADA wanted to show that you don't need to pay an assistant or a hygienist more than X and it would benefit them, there'd be no reason to not embark on that job. Oh, see, that's interesting. So you're saying if they pull out numbers that show that maybe overpaying is happening, that would be beneficial. Yeah. Ah, so we can go both ways, huh? Yeah. You and I both know that right now, there are hiring bonuses going on in a lot of parts of the country. There is a hiring war for, and I can think specifically easier for me to say uh, for hygienists right now. And so if the, yeah. So if the ADA, and again, hypothetically were to come out and say, this is what hygienists make per hour in the state of Oregon. And the dentist could use that as a baseline and that they would all actually find that as, as a way to say, okay, we're not paying a hygienist more than X. Hmm. It would it would actually benefit them. Now, again, that's all going back to the Denver airport and Illuminati here, but, but it's a theory that if they can make the data work for them, you know, just like a CNN or a yeah. Fox or anybody else does, let's be honest. Interesting. It could happen. I don't think the ADA is evil like that. I We both defended the ADA on multiple, oh, multiple podcasts. Absolutely. I think, honestly, if you're not involved with them, I think it's silly because there's no other person, there's no other body advocating our industry. And, and, and I'm a believer that organized dentistry is, is at a real crossroads right now. And and that there's a lot of people out there who don't understand what organized dentistry, whether you're a dentist, hygienist, or assistant, or office manager does for you. And, and I think it's valuable to know that if there's one body that's really looking out for you, then absolutely you need to be supporting that in every way that you can to make sure that your voice is heard. Yeah. And I actually, I misspoke a second ago. They're not the only body, but they are the biggest. I shouldn't have said that. Right. They are the biggest. And the other ones have different, like the dealer reps, they are advocating for the industry, but they're coming at it from a different point of view. Sure. Yeah. There is the Dental Trade Alliance who's out there with the manufacturers and the dealers on the business side of things. And they have a lobbying interest in in Congress, just like the ADA does. Uh, You know, so, so there's all these different little factions of dentistry. And what I think we've tried to figure out for years is how do the factions actually work together to benefit the d- industry as a whole? And I don't think we've solved that puzzle just yet. So the Dental Trade Alliance, for people who don't know, it, that's pretty much like the Shines, Patterson's, is that? Yeah, the Seronas, the Cable Curs, absolutely. The, the things that you have in your cabinet, more than likely those companies, the executives belong to the Dental Trade Alliance. And I will tell you, their meetings, I, I go to them every year, whether it's this year will be virtually. But those are among the most fascinating because it's really a look at a lot of what H, the ADA HPI talks about as well, is what's coming, the trends, what's affecting uh, our industry now as a whole. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's, it's a side of dentistry that a lot of people don't think about, but absolutely the business side of it has, has a lot of power in Congress and is working together to make sure that our industry is safe, just like the 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 dental associations might be. So let's let's throw some darts at the dartboard. Let's give out some some predictions. What do you think, not just assistance, but what do you think the state of hiring in 2021 is going to look like? 
I think it's I think it's going to be a hodgepodge. Uh, and what I mean by that is that I think you're going to see a lot more people coming in from outside of dentistry, which is not a bad thing. I think that it's going to bring in different ideas, different philosophies. I think we're going to see the dental practice uh, as a business change because some new perspectives are going to come in. And and again, that's not bad at all. I think that's really good for our industry, especially as we try to figure out what we're going to look like after a vaccine, after COVID-19. What are we going to be as a dental industry? And to bring in banking and jewelry and sales and all these other things that maybe dentistry evolves a little bit. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I don't think so either. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on employers as if they have they don't have enough. But I think there's going to be a lot of pressure to provide a family-friendly environment, meaning our hours right now are pretty strict. You know, we work long days and they're usually during the day and, you know, there's soccer games and all that kind of stuff. But with a lot of people homeschooling, I guess teaching at home, not homeschool. I know there's two differences there. But a lot of people are staying home with their kids, but they want to come back into the workplace, but they don't, they maybe can't do the, the full schedule. So I think we're going to see a request for flexibility and scheduling. I think you're going to see more part-timers rather than full-timers, which is problematic. I did not like part-timers in my office only because I just didn't think the team flowed very well with that. Having said that, when I went out consulting, I ran into very many teams where part-timers were just fine. So maybe I had had the part-timers that just didn't want to put in the extra effort to keep in touch during those times. But I, I think you're going to see a lot more part-timers that are wanting to come in. And people like me who are resistant to that are going to have to say, maybe maybe I should start looking at part-time positions. And that's an answer to the hiring as well, is you're exactly right. There may be somebody out there who doesn't want to work 40 hours a week or 30 hours a week. Or maybe can't. They want to work. Or can't because of exactly. you know elderly parents, young kids. Yeah. Absolutely. So is 15 an option? Is 20 an option? And if it is, can you find two people who are like that then to share that one job? Interesting times that we're going to see in 2021. We should do a predictions episode in December. We should try to see what happens and then we'll replay it. Old prediction. Yeah. And then we'll see like how how totally uninformed we are at the end of 2021. (laughs) Because I'm going to tell you, if we had done one for 2020, we would have nailed pandemic. Right. I mean, there's no question about it. We would have nailed it. Oh, my gosh. Nobody saw this thing coming. Holy no, cow. No. And remember in Chicago, we still thought it was a joke. We were like, oh, virus, virus. Yeah, it won't hit here. It'll be fine. Yeah, I, I do remember that. Swine flu. The swine flu just was fun to say. Coronavirus is not fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> It has been quite a year, but yes, uh, count me in for a Bold Predictions podcast. You know what we should do, Kev? We should also just ask some of our friends to, and to record some of their bold predictions. And then that way we oh, can yeah. praise them in 2021 or laugh hysterically at them. I think the, I think the proper turn is mocking, <laughs> but yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you, are, you are a wordsmith, my friend. So. That's what I do. The editor. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Kevin, I think those are those are good enough stories for our friends to chew on. What do you think? Absolutely. No, I think we covered a, a wide range of stuff. And, you know, I, I know that you always ask folks to, to let us know what they're interested in. And uh, hopefully this will spur some thoughts and some comments. There you go. All right. Dear listeners, thank you so much. Until the next episode. Later. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. 
Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned, and don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.